Hey, welcome back to the Moonlighters Club. I'm your host, Joel, and my friend is back. What's up? Hey, what's going on? What's up? What's up, Joel? Uh, I'm doing well. We missed you the last time out. Uh, it was a decent episode. It wasn't as good as it could be. You weren't here, so. Hey, I'm sorry, man. Sorry to the fans, too, of the show. All three of you. All we, three uh, we and a half. We would like to apologize for yeah, I think there's three in the midget. I'm not. That doesn't equal a whole person. So there's three and a half of you. I apologize. You know, it was funny. I didn't know you was going to start this, Joe. I, it looked like you was testing again. Oh, no, no, no. Like, that was, hey! No, no. I thought you were going to say, hey, check one, that's two. It. He's like, nope, this is... No, that's how I was going to set the stage. We, we just went, and we're not even going to edit that out. That's how real we are. We're yeah. just going to let you guys deal with our mistakes <laughs> right in your face. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who don't know, we interview entrepreneurs who work full-time jobs. Uh, we found another guest. Uh, what's your name? Uh, my name is Miles Bergstrom. Miles. Nice yeah. to meet you, Miles. Where are you from? Uh, I grew up in western Massachusetts, which is just like a region of the state, and now I live in Boston. Okay. So you live in not Boston, now you live in Boston. Yeah, pretty much. What, what was the city? What was the name of it? Ludlow. So I lived in a place mm. called Ludlow, which is like a huge Portuguese population. <laughs> I'm not Portuguese whatsoever. <laughs> like, it was to the point where I remember getting my driver's license, and the woman at the DMV was like, how does a Swedish kid end up in Ludlow? And I was like, honestly, I have no idea. So, like... Dealing with Portuguese soccer fans is like something I've done my whole life. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah so you like, so you probably know Brazilian food. Well. Oh my God, Brazilian we food, Portuguese food. Yeah, oh, man. yeah, they have they have a big uh, Portuguese festa every year, and like when you're in school and stuff, you go and you go, and it's like right before school starts, so you see all your friends, and you put on like your new clothes that you're not supposed to wear yet, and but yeah, the food is like that's like I love Portuguese food. Portuguese Brazilian food mm-hmm. is like unreal. I went to Brazil once. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I had like fujiwara and mm-hmm. all that stuff, man. I've never had Brazilian food ever in my entire life. Why? I don't know. You should. I've never had it. Yeah, just go to Brazil. I can't. I can't I would. AKA Everett. <laughs> hey! Uh, zing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> all right. So, Miles, what do, you, what do you do for a living? So, for a living, so my day job? Your day job. So, my day job is I work for a marketing agency slash content place in downtown Boston Uh, and basically their whole gig is is that they like to produce long-form written content and then they bought a video company at some point and I got brought in and now I sort of help run the day-to-day with all of their video graphic design photography anything that like basically has visual aspects of it I'm running the pre-production the production and the post-production on it dealing with freelancers day in and day out and then dealing with clients who like have no expectations of like what's going on. Do you do a lot of, what's the most of it, managerial stuff, working with other people or working on a product, working with making a video or anything like that or do you do, you do a lot of correspondence with? I think it's more, it's a lot of correspondence between everybody. I think it's not so much like being on set, um, which is like something that I really enjoy, but it's more or less like emails, charts, like looking at everything and what it does. Um, and like that's just me is almost like just living in that sort of like small-minded area of everything. Yeah. Okay. How do you like it? I mean, it's all right. It's definitely not what I want to be doing for the rest of my life for the most part. Like it's one of those things where it's just like I go in and like I do the same thing over and over and over every day. And so it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. sometimes like I just want to like like for me, I hate I hate numbers. Like I was always like that D student in math. Like you could look at my report card, and be like A B A B D. 
Same here. <laughs> same way, same, 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 same And so for me yeah. to like sit and like excel, like my brain just like falls to the floor. I'm just like, oh, I have to look at one more damn Excel sheet or like make a new Excel sheet or like do all this stuff and all this like lingo that's about like everything else. Like it's just one of those things where I'm just like, I can't. How long did it take you to figure out? No, not this. Was it immediately, or did it I take think, a couple? Of- I think it took. I think it took a couple of months because when I got brought in, everything was sort of new and everybody was really excited about stuff. And then things have sort of slowly started to fall into like other other plates or other whatever you want to call them. I don't know. And so now everything's just sort of complacent. And I've noticed it like coming in, like I'm doing the same thing. Or if I ask for something, like I'm like, hey, we should be doing this. Then somebody else on my team gets to do it, and I'm just like, all right. All right, I see how it is. Yeah, like, politics and work. Up, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I grew up in that mindset of, like, you shouldn't have to kiss anybody's ass. You should just work your ass off. Right. And, like, that should be enough recognition. And now you come in, you come into these sort of companies, especially here in Boston, where it's, like, very much, like, rah, rah. Like, it's like walking into, like, the cafeteria at lunch, like, when you're in high school and, like, your preps are over here and your jocks are over there. And, like, it's basically, like, what it is. And you're just, like... You just roll your eyes at it, and you're just like, "This is this is stupid." I think it's funny about Boston because the bad stuff that, that people think about Boston, like super racist, Irish, Italian, yeah. and like blue collar, you don't deal with that if you have a job here. You deal no. with a bunch of like preps, a bunch of yeah. straight blue blood you, type bros. Yeah. It's weird, man. It's, like it, it, no, it's, it, it's it's crazy. Like like you said, you don't deal with like the the stereotypical like, "Hey, come here, come on over here." Like, it's not those people. It's, like, the dudes who come in and wear, like, boat shoes and droves. Or, like, wear, like, I don't know. They, they just look like they walked off in Nantucket. And you're just like, dude, it's 20 degrees outside and it's January. Like, mm. nobody's fucking wearing those clothes, man. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like, you're exactly. not fooling anybody. I don't know why I have this distaste for boat shoes. It's weird. It's, to me, it's boat shoes are second. Number one is when I see someone with a sweater tied around their neck or around their waist. I don't understand that. Like I don't. I think they just do it on. It doesn't serve a purpose. Just carry no, it, right? Just it's like it. I just it's, don't get it. It's the boat shoes with no socks. Oh, that's, <laughs> that one hurts. Feeling. Yeah, it's like oh, it's you're like, from swamps, God, aren't you? Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, you guys are, are, are definitely head on as, as far as um, that stereotypical Boston racist guy. That's not who you deal with. No, you know those those people more so work. Civil service, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, they like work police, like yeah. civil construction service, and, construction, all of yeah, that. And like, yeah. you see them going into work every day, and like those guys bust their ass. Like, I know for a fact they're up before me every morning. Like, and they're just like working their day job and like putting in what it takes and like climbing up the ladder. And then you walk into the office, and it's like, like you said, it's like dudes. With, it's like walking in Mister Rogers' neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, yeah. as much as I like Mr. Rogers, but like, it's like the terrible version of Mr. Rogers that you're just like, oh, it's the worst. Not again. So what, in regards to what you do, what'd you go to school for? What was your major? So I went to school for tech, it's technically communication arts is like the overarching one. And then I went in for like a subsector of that called digital media production. Okay. And so like that was basically how to make digital content for the most part, um, but mostly video. So like we had to take like some graphic design courses and things like that, which I was like, I liked them, but like that was never my focus. And so I took like four script writing courses, like countless lab courses, which were just like video production courses. So like you're in there and we worked with, you know, 16 millimeter film, digital film, um, 
high-end cameras, all sorts of stuff, and that all culminates. It's almost like film school without having to pay the price of going to film school. Um, What's it like going to school? See, you know, that's interesting. I always wanted to be, sorry to interrupt you, in comedy no, when I was a kid, but I just, I don't have the balls. Like, so, <laughs> I under, all the stories you hear about is someone just like getting lucky, right? Yeah. What's it like going to school for the arts? Like, I feel like, is, I don't know, I feel like it'd be really subjective. I, I feel like it's inter- I, it's interesting. Like, I will say, like, I went to Framingham State, which is like, you know, you're like, oh, state school. And people are always like, oh. like, I walk around here and people are like, I went to Emerson. And I'm like, I don't fucking care that you went to Emerson. You and 60,000 other people went there. But it's like, for me, at like the state level, learning the arts, it's like the arts gets bumped down. Like, I can tell you I've been at a school for probably like six years now. I don't know, like six years now or whatever. And like... The school has put on an expansion science wing. They put on like it, like they focus on like all of the stuff that like elementary schools and things are focused on to like get kids into like STEM, which like it's cool. Like you know, STEM is cool if that's what you're into. But like some people like just don't function that way. I feel like I mean I know I don't. Like if you put like math in front of me, like I, I was saying before, it's just like it doesn't compute for me. It's never like A plus B equals C. It's always like something different it's always like it has to be subjective and like that's my big thing is it has to be subjective and I think learning art like at that level is it's something you learn especially when people are already being subjective towards you because you're an art student okay all right so is it I can feel like it could be disheartening at times because all right you're dealing with you're dealing with the arts right you're yeah. in production you're making like an end product well, for example I was in school for entrepreneurship and advertising as a minor and we would have to take these copywriting classes and whether or not we were good at it I don't think I ever found out I was just up to this one guy who graded it and he was like yeah I don't like it but he was older he was from an older type of agency right. so nothing that and I realized like anything that looked like it was from Mad Men he loved so that's how I would shape my work but it didn't really help me so when it comes how do you know if you're making good stuff you I know think, what I mean like how do you know if your head's on the right shoulder I think, that? yeah I mean that's that's like a loaded question because like there's never like what's right like if you look at like what's going on right now like you can look at what people are doing on the web and like it's all reminiscent of something that's been done before like all art is is it's constantly stealing from each other um and like that's how i sort of view it is like you have to steal art but you can't like blatantly plagiarize somebody's art you kind of have to like steal it rework it and make it your own i think that's like the part it's like where you're talking about getting to a point where you think you're making your own stuff right where it's like what can you take like if there's a wall in front of you and there's like 16 artists to choose from what can you take from all 16 of those artists and like mold into your own thing so like dracula and blackula right okay pretty much <laughs> so this isn't your first job in the industry right where you work now, working and doing what you do? Uh, not really, no. What did, have you done a lot as far as anything related to media? Yeah. Content? So, like, so I worked for another company before the current company that I work for now, and they are like a super hubbub in Boston about just like content and all of that. And so I kind of fell into content before that, or well, content at like that point, but before that, I was working like full on production uh, in Los Angeles. So, like, being on set, like, you know, being a PA, doing grunt work, like, working your way up the ladder slowly, uh, and working on, like, movie sets, TV sets, things like that. And it, so... Is it possible in L.A. to move your way up as far as... I only hear about actors. If you're working, like, grips and doing stuff like that, can you actually work your way up a corporate ladder? 
So the thing is, is like when you're on set, it's not so much corporate. Like it's its own sort of weird entity. Yeah. Like there are like some PAs that work for Paramount. There are some PAs that work for Warner Brothers like exclusively. Or then there's like other people that work under directors or under producers exclusively. So there's like there's a whole lot that goes on where it's like set and like the production crew that works on it is like a whole smattering of things. Like. You have guys that are union, guys that aren't union. You have some sets that are union only. or like, And so there's all these things. And I think the thing that really helps people who like, like I think you have a better trajectory in set and in film in general is if like you have like a set discipline that you want to do. And that's not being like, I want to be a director because the only union you can join is the director's guild. And like that's that's already hard as hell to get into. But if you're doing like grip work, electrical work, camera work, like you can get into a local six hundred or something like that, and then you're basically unionized. And so like when jobs come through town, you get calls and you pay a fee every year and you can sort of climb up that ladder. And that's oh, a good. lot easier than like like I have friends who work at, you know, some of the big studios out there and like they're somebody's assistant. Like, that's their job. They're my age or they're older. Like, they're 28, you know, 30 or whatever. And they're, they're assistants. And it's, like, out there, I mean, as shitty as it sounds, like, it's really all about who you know. Oh, exactly. Like, it's, and, like, you hear that in, in every industry. But there, like, you have to know somebody to get you somewhere. And, like, the amount of, like, shit you can find on Craigslist there that's, like, free work. We'll pay you an IMDB credit. We'll pay you in food. And you're, like, that doesn't pay my rent. Like, fuck what how bad was the scene what was the scene like out there like what's what's it you were living in la yeah is it just hopeless like i just feel like there's a lot of like what's it the vibe out there i for? don't i don't think it's hopeless i think a lot of people go there with unreal unrealistic expectations and then have to be brought back I, it's like any city you go to like there's different pockets right there's different like areas of LA like I lived in Burbank which is like the family friendly area right which is like where like all the studios are like ABC's there Warner Brothers is there like Paramount is like just you know a hop skip and a jump away and so like that's where a lot of the stuff gets shot yeah. but then you have like West Hollywood which is known as like um, a mecca for the gay community but it's also known as where like the girls living off mommy and daddy's money live too Okay. And so it's like you go there and it's almost like you're it's just like it's like stereotypical L.A. Like when you think of that, the problem with L.A., I think, for the most part, is that the people and like this is myself included, the people who migrate there give it a bad name. It's the actual true Angelinos. Fun fact that you call people who are from L.A. called Angelinos. Sounds like an Italian dude yeah. or like a pizza place. Yeah. Um, but true Angelinos, I ran across like a handful of them and they were some of the nicest people I've ever met. Like, they just, they loved Southern California. They didn't have that, like, pompous attitude. They were just, like, you know, they were they were the, the chill, like, vibe back sort of idea that you get of California. But they were so much more proactive and, like, helping other people out. Where I feel like the people who migrated there were very much, like, you help out, like, your, your social circle. But the minute you, like, get outside of that social circle, like, you don't, it's like that person that doesn't call you or text you that's that's i mean that's that's industry people yeah that's people that are that's really the industry yeah that's not a like you know that's not a california thing right and yeah i think people um 
they kind of incorporate all of California with that, with LA, yeah. with Hollywood. Yeah. Those and are like the two places people know about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's yeah. one of those things, and like they all get lumped in, like you're saying, yeah. and like everybody from California gets this bad rap, when in reality, it's really just a lot of the industry. That's crazy. How, how many dreams, this is going to sound messed up, I'm really curious about this. <laughs> how many dreams did you see get crushed out there? Oh man, I mean, you see dreams. <laughs> I mean, you can, if, you, if you really want to look, you can, you can see like dreams get crushed on like a daily basis. Are you serious? Like if you, yeah, I mean like you, people get fired for like the dumbest things out there. Like it's, it's really one of those things where like, you know, like I have a friend, like I was saying, and she works for a studio out there. And like she'll <coughs> G-chat me like in the middle of the day and be like, my manager just walked in and gave me side eye. And I'm like, then I don't know what to tell you. Like, if your manager's acting like a 10-year-old, like, like if that's the rest of the industry, like, are you ever going to work up? And this is, like, a girl who worked, I think she worked three years on some, like, terrible, like, reality television show. I think yeah. it was Operation Repo. Like That's the worst show. Of right. Time. Yeah. Right. And she'll listen to this and she'll know exactly, like, she'll yeah. be like, God damn it. But, yeah. like, it's one of those things where it's like, that's where she's at. And I know she wants to do more. And I'm not saying her dreams are dead. But what you see a lot of, I guess, is, like, you see dreams shift. So, like, people go out there and they're like, I want to be a director. And then, like, they realize, like, that's not going to really happen. And so, like, they shift their dream to, like, be something else to work within the industry. Sean, what would you shift your dream to? Would you shift ever? Um, you mean, like, if I was broken... If you went comedy and you get to LA and you're like, all right, damn, this is not what what would be a viable backup plan for Sean Beckett? Um, writing. Yeah. It's like yeah. I'm gonna do yeah. comedy. It's just about me picking the medium. Yeah. Or the uh, or you know like um, what I you know how I want to express. Yeah. yeah. Um, that talent. You know what I'm saying. Um, it, that would just be it. And and you know I'm kind of fortunate in that I have friends that are. In the industry, I'm kind of living my carelessly through them. Yeah. So like, um, I'm, you know, they're at the places I'm trying to get to, and they're talking about, oh yeah, it sounded, good. you know, having a general meeting sounds great, you know, but when they say, hey, what do you want, 12 or twelve thirty? Oh, you're seeing three other people today. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. So like little things like that, like little little things that I, that I'm not privy to out here. Right. They kind of educate me on. Yeah. And it's which like. Is good. It's great. The good thing about it is it's helping me formulate my plan. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because a lot of people go out there with the plan, um, but with unrealistic expectations. Right. Once they're humbled, they have to regroup, yep. restructure, whatever the yeah. hell it is. Yeah. They, you know, so, like, um, and, and I'm still not out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, it is hearsay. Yeah. You know, but... um. I feel like I'd find what it is I'd, I'd want to do out there. Yeah. If it's not being in front of the camera, it could be writing yeah. behind the camera. But it's going to be in that in that area, in that realm. Some, you know. Yeah, so. no. And, I th and it's one of those things. Like, I think comedy is one of those, like, better areas to be in because everybody in comedy kind of looks out for each other. At least that's been, like, my, like, like for the most part, like, that's yeah. been my exposure to it. And I mean, that's like you said, you can you can either be in front of the camera or behind the camera. It's just understanding like at what point like you have to do one to get to the other or vice versa. Exactly. Exactly. What's you, the oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. You're gonna no, say something? No, no, no. What what's the worst and Sean you could probably chime in too, what's the worst part and best part of being involved in an industry like that? Just having that having those gigs. What would you say was the one nagging thing that would follow you from set to set to set? 
and what's one pro, one benefit? I feel like as an actor, you're just like, well, I'm an actor. You know, the, the adulation you get from it. But for someone behind the scenes, what are the true perks? Uh, one true perk and one true, like, I got to deal with this shit all the time. I mean, I think dealing with the shit all the time is, like, it all depends on what you're doing on set, right? Like, I think that's what it, it comes down to. Um, and then I think it just comes down to your personality and what you don't like about, like, any job. Like, do you not like doing busy work? Do you not like doing, you know, like, do you not like being somebody's grunt, like, right. for the most part? Because, I mean, when you get into the industry, like, that's what you have to do. Like, you have to you have to be a PA on set. Like, if you're really? Do There's it, just no yeah. way around it. Yeah, I mean, and I don't want to say there's no way around it, but, like, I feel like if you're going to go into the industry, everybody at some point should be a PA. Like, you get, to, it's like that, and it's like getting an entry-level job, right? Okay. You can be a PA, and, like, if you're not on a union set, you can help out with camera. You can help out with grip. You can help out with, like, the production office. And you kind of learn what you, like, where you kind of want to go. Like, especially if you're just like, I just want to work. Like, people, people kind of respect that a little bit more. Um, and I think that's, like, it's, it's finding what you don't like in order to find what you do like. So it's, like, like there's a lot of nagging stuff where it's just, like, stupid shit you have to do because you are a PA. Yeah. And, like, you're easily replaceable. Like, they could be like, fuck you, we're going to grab the homeless guy off the street. And, like, there's really, like, I remember being a PA and they'd be like, yeah, send us your resume. But I don't think anybody ever looked at my PA, like, resume. They were never like, oh, well, we see you, you've worked on this, this, and this show. It's like you get hired because somebody calls somebody who calls somebody who knows you right. and they just put you on. Like I think the worst, I can tell you the worst gig I ever had. The worst gig I ever had was it was for like some no-name musician who was trying to shoot a music video up in northern, like northern, like mid-California and, and we're in LA at this point. And a dude I had worked with on another set was like, hey, they're paying, like, you know, do you want? I just said, yeah, sure, whatever. And I get there, and they basically are trying to have me rent a 15-pass van, rent a truck bed, like a, like a hauling bed, yeah. going to some guy's house, picking up a picture car that they let him rent, and then driving that to, to Northern California. One, I can drive a 15-pass van. Two, I've never driven anything with a trailer on it, right. let alone a trailer carrying a car. And so, like, at one point, like, it's, like, 8 o'clock at night, 9 o'clock at night, and, like, I'm getting calls, blah, 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 and I get a call from the woman, the, the woman who's, who's the production manager on it, and she's like, yeah, well, you know, and I was just like, listen, I straight up don't feel comfortable doing this. Like, you guys put me in a situation, like, where you should have hired a fucking teamster, like, you got like that was the, I think that's the worst part like now getting back to it the worst part is people hiring people that they know are somewhat capable of what they can do but they're trying to save a dollar yeah. by not hiring the right people like they're hiring people that are good enough but they're not hiring the people that should be getting hired and that's what creates tension amongst like all of those people like and like I was on the phone with her and I was like you straight up should have hired a teamster like, that's the one thing I like about the film industry is, like, people will kind of tell you how, like, I feel like an East Coast attitude out there goes far because, like, out here you're kind of brought up, like, in the harsh winter and whatever. Like, you're nice to people, but if somebody, like, double crosses you or, or screws you over, you just kind of, like, you're like, this is what's wrong. Right. Um, and so I think that's, like, the bigger issue. Uh, Was there a part to be in, in 
yeah, just I mean, being in the industry in general? I think being in the industry in general is a perfect. I think the people, like, even though, like, I feel like I, I've sat here and, like, shit-talked people, like, in the industry, the people are the best part about the industry. Like, it's always nice to get on set and then, like, see people that you've worked with before. It's like going into work, like, every day, except you just had, like, three weeks off from each other. And, like, that's sort of, like, the best part is, like, being able to get in there and, like, see your friends, see what everybody's doing, see what everybody's working on. Because, like, everybody in that industry is of like-mindedness that they're always, like, trying to create. And, like, they're getting all of these different projects that they get to work on. But also, at the same time, they're also working on different projects, like, outside of that, outside of that, that quote-unquote day job. And so, like, the amount of actual creativity, like, that's there yeah. is awesome. Like, I think that's the best part about working in that industry is there's so many people with so many different aspirations that you get, like, a smattering of, like, of like just different opinions and worldviews. And, like, it's really, like, a true melting pot of people, like, wanting to work on movies, for lack of a better word, where, like, it doesn't matter where they're from, like, they know movies, they love movies, they know movies are made in LA, so they came here to do that. Right. And I think that's the best part. Not based on your not based on quality of work. Are you a shitty employee? Like do you take direction <laughs> well? Can you listen to people? Can you take a bunch of guidelines and just do what you're told? Um just be take I think one? to a degree I can. Like it's one of those things where like I try to I try to work within those, but I feel like you have to color outside of the lines and I feel like like yeah I'll listen to, to direction but like the minute something goes wrong I'll be like I told you this is why it wasn't gonna work like right. I have no problem being like well I don't know and then if they give me pushback on it I'll be like alright we'll do it that way but then like trying to prove to them like hey like there's a more efficient way to do this like that's like time is everything especially like when you're doing like work at after work essentially like time is everything and so like you have to find quicker ways to do stuff and just being like boom 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 i feel like is is part of it and you have to like i don't know you just have to march the beat of your own drum a lot of the time like i don't know it's hard for me i take direction well but whether or not i actually like enact on direction well is a whole like totally different thing okay well let's let's speak to that what what is your venture? What do you do when you're not at work? Um, and how'd you come up with it? So what I do when I'm not at work is I actually run a small video production company, which is run by myself. Um, and then based on project size, I hire out crews, things like that, to, to help shoot and facilitate production for, for my clients. And so like my clients can range anywhere from like a small design shop to... Uh, startups to you know more minor ventures by larger companies things like that and so like I try to primarily focus the content on anything that's one educational uh, two sort of lifestyle branding things um, and most importantly like emotionally driven stuff um, and so I think that's like the big the big sell on mine is, is it's mostly video production and then there's the underlying aspect of doing photography too so it's it's a lot uh, especially when you're a one-man crew where uh, there's a lot of days where I definitely have like resentment towards people who are like graphic designers for example like I love graphic design and like I know I can't do it but it's so hard for me to know that all they have to do is sit down in front of their computer and like 
but that's their that's their machinery right there. It's like, yeah, they can go out and look for inspiration and stuff like that, but they can sit down in front of this drawing board, like right in front of them and go to town where it's like, for me, I gotta get all my equipment. I gotta like go out, I gotta shoot, I gotta bring it all back in, I gotta, like there's so many more extra steps where I'm just like, I feel like the amount of hours I put in into like pre-production and production and then like post-production, like in comparison, like I could turn out one piece and a graphic designer could turn out five to six pieces. It's just like one of those things where there's a lot that goes into it. Like I remember like I had, I had a client one time and we were doing a Kickstarter video for him um, and to not drop names, to not shit talk people, it got to a point where we made we made a handshake agreement. Dumb on my part, always cover your ass, always cover your ass with paperwork. People new in business always do handshake agreements. Like it's eighteen thirty, yeah. like that. Yeah, <laughs> someone I would it's shake yeah. hands all the time yeah. and break promises. Like yeah. no issues breaking and so, promises. And that's and that's exactly what happened. Is like we did that. We're like, okay, the Kickstarter video. If it reaches its goal, you'll give me three percent of whatever the money's raised. Okay, and so. All of a sudden, the guy gets an investor. He sort of pulls away from me, and I'm trying to send him, you know, final cuts of of this video. And they're like, you know, just no response, no response, no response. And it's probably like two and a half weeks, three weeks that go by at this point. And I'm like, well, what the hell? And I get I get a Facebook message like we're in high school. Yeah. Um, and they're like, they're like, hey, our investors want to pay you three hundred dollars for your work. And I was like, no that's just not going to happen. And they're like, well, we, we view that that's what it's worth. And so we got into this big argument and I can remember like vividly, like me like making my points and him like trying to make his points. Right. And there was a point where it, it, he just said, I don't understand why you're trying to get paid for work that you didn't deliver. And like, that's the point where I just sort of like, I don't wanna say lost it, but I was just like, I didn't deliver the work because you fell off the face of the map. I was like, if you want, I have a breakdown of everything that we've done for you, from pre-production to helping you script this whole thing, to the three days that we took to shoot it, to the amount of time that I've taken to edit it. And I was like, so in your mind, yes, it is not delivered, but in my mind, I have poured you know, 30 plus hours into this. Like, Make up your mind here, because that's the amount of work that I've done for this. And like, it's, it's one of those things that like I had to spell out for him. So it it was just sort of this this hearsay thing and we, we eventually settled on a sum that was much greater than the three hundred that was closer. Yeah, he paid you. Yeah, he paid me. Wow. He, he 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 you know, he came to the table after I said everything to him and he was like he went back to his investors, I guess, and they were like, Okay. Um, and so I let them use the footage that we had shot. I was like, Here you go, like footage is mine, it's yours, like use it as need be, thank you for paying me, so on and so forth. And then the kicker is, is that I put up my own director's cut of the video uh. and I got a message from him being like, can we use this director's cut? And I was just like, yeah, you wanna pay me for it? Like, cause you don't get to use it for free just because you paid me $900 or $1,200 or $1,500 or whatever, like the sum that it came up to was, like you don't get to pay me for like you don't get to use the cut like that I made. Contract game is a dangerous game. I, uh, it's funny, there was, a, was an editorial I was reading uh, recently about mobile development, and everyone's trying to jump into the app game. And there are people uh, creating apps using like their retirement funds, with any money they can get, large sums of money, 
And these developer shops, a lot of them are American-based, are just not delivering. Either giving them bullshit products, just threatening the money, uh, uh, spreading the money uh, among the people who work there. The worst one I heard about, this guy, I think his, his marriage was ruined because of it, took his retirement fund, paid a dev shop to create an app. And they, they just kept like raising the price, raising the price, raising the price. So he's like, look, I'm done. I'm not gonna pay you this. So like, all right, you're never gonna get this finished product. And just cut him off. So the guy will call him and call him and call him and he would never answer, never answer. This company closed down, changed their name, and then reopened as another company just so they would never have to pay this dude. And he never got the money back. Wow. It's ridiculous. The same thing happened to me. I was working with a developer. He quoted me one thing. I'm like, cool, I have it all in message done. So we get $300 over the price. And I'm like, all right, we're just going to pause for a second. Like, you got to pay. And, it's, and this guy's in Ukraine right now. So he's, he's, he's going through some shit I can't even possibly imagine. So he came up, uh, and I feel like everyone assumes Americans are rich, which is definitely not the case if I ever see you, you asshole. <laughs> this dude comes and goes, cool, so here's a sample of it. You like that sample? It's good, cool. Now just give me 3000 and I'll give you the rest of the app. So we've been going back and forth for months because he just caught me with Yogi Doke in a point where it's like someone half building a house. Yeah. I have no point but to argue with this dude to the point where I'm going to have to pay this guy. Or he's just gonna go. You know what? You're screwed. Yeah. Have good luck with your app. Yeah. It's ridiculous, man. Yeah. It's dangerous. And like, and that was that was the same thing for me. Is it's like I wet my hands clean of it because I was like, here's everything you asked for. Like my big thing was was don't ask me for free work that I did on my time and making a, like a director's cut of this. Like, don't ask me for that. Like, take what you have and like I could help you assemble that, but don't come at me for something that I put my free time into. And I think that's what it came down to was it was just like we've already we've already like talked about how my time is worth money yeah. and don't try to get more out of the deal than like you had already bargained for. What was your motivator to doing your own thing? I think just doing like I wanted something that I knew was going to be better than theirs. I wanted to put something out that I I could look at and I could put in front of two people and say, watch this first video, watch this second video which video would make you more likely to buy this product? Like that was my, that was like my big sort of thing is it's like when I work with great clients, like I always try to like deliver them like that video, like that great, that great video where they're like, wow, we really like this. It's actually above our expectations. And so like for lack of a better word, it was sort of like my, my fuck you to be like, you, you realize you needed me, but you burned that bridge. And so now there's this better video that lives on the web that's mine, but does it and like it doesn't drive traffic to him in any sort of way. Like it's not posted anywhere for him. Like there's no links or, or nothing. And so it was just like my intention to create something. One, that was, like I said, was an FU, but two, something that I was proud of. Not something that I was like, yeah, I gave them this footage and this is what they created. I wanted something that I could send to a potential client to be like, I made this video and have them be like, wow, that's really good. Versus like, be like, I shot parts of this video and then they cut this video, sort of. So it, it was just one of those things where it was, it was more of a pride thing than anything. How many hours do you put into this weekly, daily? Um, so, I mean, daily it's always hard to say just because I'm always like on the web, like looking at, at reddits and subreddits to see what people are talking about, see what people are, are, are sort of like processing and like what people are doing. Um, and then like, I think at least three times a week, I try to block off time after work if it's like seven to nine, eight to 10, to like sit down and just like get shit done. 
and like that way it's like you know people know I don't want to say people know not to bother me but like it's like 8 to 10 is like my time to work like I'll sit down like TV's off or if it's on it's like something I've seen a million times and it's just like typing it out and getting it done like for me so it's like you figure, I probably put in what's like probably anywhere from 20 to 30 hours a week and that's like not counting weekends where like if I'm out doing something like say I go like on a hike or I go to visit a new place or I go to a sporting event that's not counting like me toting my camera around with me just to get footage in and of itself because like that's the other aspect of everything I'm working on now is like how do you build a b-roll library that you can sell as stock footage to people and like getting it up on different sites and having those different things where it's like people are looking because like that's the other thing it's like stock footage sucks like you've seen like the stupid stock photos of like pearly white people like sitting around a table pointing at stuff like that's just who not, makes that by the way Who's I, don't, I don't know like people people who who get paid to make it i guess and like for me it's it's all about making stuff that people want and i think that's that's a big part of it is making something not only that you're proud of but that other people can look at and like gets them excited like it's never about like how many eyes are on something for me like yeah would i love to like like get to a point like that sure that's fine though but i want people to interact with me and i want them to ask me questions or i want it to like elicit a res- like a response for them to to go somewhere or do something it's it's one of those things where it's like i want them to see like what's going on and like eventually just like do their own thing well, do you have any notes like do you have something you won't do what if i was like yo i got this video it's me like fighting these homeless dudes I need this cut. I need this on Thursday. I'll pay you X amount of money. <laughs> I feel like any any self-respecting person is going to be like, yeah, I'll do anything for the right price. But I feel like, I think as as an artist... Do and, you have a line? Yeah, I think there's, there's a line. And I don't know what that line is per se. Like, obviously, I'm not going to film you fighting homeless people. Have you ever... What's the craziest <laughs> thing you've seen or been asked to do? Like, do you have any like is it does it get pretty off the wall ish or is it pretty straightforward it's pretty straightforward just because a lot of the clients I deal with like are sort of like that corporate like deal like I'm not opposed to like working with people to like do music videos and stuff like that that are a little out there or like have certain things like it's it's one of those things where it's like if it goes against my personal belief system like I'm not gonna do it if you're like if a company approaches me and is like you should make a video as to why drinking alcohol and driving is good for you. And they'll be like, no, like that's mm-hmm. stupid. Or they should, or they'll be like, this is why, like, per, like sell smoking to kids. Like, no. Like, Can you succeed in that in your sorry, in your in this industry and have a personal belief system? Can you be as good as successful turning down work? I think you can. I think. I think picking up the right work. So everybody, like, if you if you go on the web, like, everybody's like, hustle harder, hustle, hustle harder. And, like, for me, like, one, I hate the word hustle just because it's become, it's just so contrived at this point. But nobody talks about, like, working smart. Like, if you work smart, you can turn down jobs and mm-hmm. things that don't pertain to you. Like, do, like, the one thing that I hear a lot of people say is, like, do the work you want to do. Right. And so, like, put in, if there's, like, like yeah, take the crappy jobs. Like, I've taken plenty of crappy jobs where it's just, like, talking head, boring, like, corporate brouhaha that, like, pours Kool-Aid down people's throats. Like, 
it's just stuff that's not fun but like you have to take those off hours to make the stuff that you want to make and if that's like if you want to do if you want to you know do like sketch comedy or you want to do like I don't know like drama and stuff like that like make short movies write that sketch piece like get people involved I think that's that's the line is where like you sort of have to look at yourself in the mirror and be like am I am I the type of person that's going to like sell their soul to the devil at this point and I think in today's day and age like more now than ever with the internet you don't have to sell your soul to the devil you can do whatever the hell you want which I think is awesome like you don't have to sell out per se like you totally can sell out and there's tons of people who have sold out and now have tons and tons of money um, and not to say I would never sell out, but at right, the same I would, time, at a certain point, right? At the same time, like at what point is it okay to sell out, and at what point, like now, are people allowed to sell out but still keep like their self intact? Because that's what the companies are buying into. It's not like they're buying into what you're making; they're buying into you now, which I think is is awesome. Like they're buying into personalities. Sean, you ever turn out a role? You said would I? Yeah, yeah. Have you? Have you ever? Like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, no, nah, not yet. I got close. <laughs> I was close recently. Um, it was a, it was a print ad, right? And um, they, my agent submitted me for it, and um, they said, "Hey, they're interested." You know, but the role is you have to, you're, you're a homosexual. And I'm like, man, how do you play a homosexual in a print ad? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I, so the implication is visually I got to be doing some gay shit. So that was that was my worry. I'm like, I'm like, man, I'm really about to do this for $500? You know? And I was calling people. Right, like, yeah, yeah. Getting people's, you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, I'm going to be doing something. And um, turns out it wasn't that wasn't the case. Like I, I showed up, yeah. and they were like, "Oh no, no, no! You're gonna be a doctor. He's he's yeah. your patient." Okay. And um, I guess someone else had that that role or whatever. But that was something that I was like questioned. You're right. Now, I'm like, would this hurt me later? Or see, that's the question I gotta ask. Is 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 not just from stuff you don't, you don't want to do, but uh, can that hurt you in the industry? Be like, ah, I just get this. I don't want to do this. Well, they go, oh, he's not a team player. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. does the word get around that you're difficult and or like, is there some kind of unwritten code about stuff like that? Does I mean, it matter? Like, is that really just conspiracy theory? I think I think it might just be conspiracy theory. Like, I haven't noticed it. I think people get like, it's people don't get bad raps for not taking jobs. People get bad raps for taking jobs and doing them poorly. I think that's like that's part of it where. It's it's one of those things where like I hope like I wouldn't have a rap like I know like like if you flake on people like yeah you're known as a flake like you know this person isn't like that great to work with because they flake out but I feel like it's better to be upfront about something than be like yeah I can do it and then pull out like two weeks before whatever you have to do and be like oh yeah something came up like I think that's that's shittier to do so I would rather have like that idea of being like upfront and being like no sorry I don't want to do this but this is the stuff I do want to do and in order for you to shoot like what you want to do now here's a list of people I feel like that's something you should always come prepared with like even now I get calls to be like a PA on set because I still have stuff listed across the country and like I don't PA that often anymore but I still have a list of like go-to people where like somebody calls me and I'm like 
there's five numbers, call these people, and I guarantee you one of them will work for you. And so I think that's like half of it. It's just, it's just making sure you're prepared to, to be like the best person to interact with possible. So let's run down the typical day where you have work to do on your own business. So from I think, wake up to sleep. So I think typical day, it all depends. So typical day, my alarm will go off at like seven and I'll like get up, have coffee, like just hang out, look at the news, like catch up on some things. And then I'll catch the bus to the train. And that's usually like anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour, depending on like how broken the train is in Boston. Because if you've never lived here, everything breaks. Nothing works. Yeah, nothing works. And then I'll usually get into work like anywhere between like 8.30 and 9 o'clock. Um, and I'll work from like 9 to 12. And like, and that's like 9 to 12 or 9 to 1, like whenever I want lunch, essentially. And like right when I get in, it's like catch up on emails that came in from people that were emailing me at like six o'clock at night for some reason, um, or like you know talk to talk to my manager and seeing like what our priorities are for the day or for the week, and then like working on those priorities, and then like after lunch, it's like setting up for like the rest of the day for the most part, and like you know getting just getting busy work done really is what it is it's like sitting in those spreadsheets i was talking to you about like making sure everything's up to date like making sure like you know dates are correct the correct timelines are in place like creating those timelines talking to clients and freelancers and answering questions as they come up so like the job now is like like yeah there's a lot of stuff where i have to do busy work but it's a lot of reaction stuff too where if like shit hits the fan like you kind of have to be there to to help out right. um and so that that happens um and then work will usually like you get out at five because it's it's the typical nine to five and like i try to be pretty diligent about leaving at five like it's not that i don't like i don't want to say i don't like my job it's that i don't like my job but like if if it's five o'clock like once i walk out of those doors you're done i'm done like don't i'm not gonna check email i'm not gonna like do that because like that's like my priority number two and so from there I usually do one of two things. I'll go to a freelance place that I work out of that I have some stuff in where it's actually a company and I get along with the owners. They're super nice. They give me tons of business advice. They give me like work as it comes up there um, and I can go in there and it's like a free co-op space for me. Um, so I can go there, hang out with them, talk to them, get some feedback on stuff that I've been working on. Um, and if I don't do that, I'll hop on the train, whatever, go home and start and like you know, make myself dinner or whatnot, like, and then have that scheduled time. And so, like, that scheduled time is, like, I usually if it's at night, like, if it's later, it's, like, mostly dedicated to, like, pre-production stuff for its, like, writing shot list or it's dedicated to post-production where it's, like, editing and things like that. I think the hardest part about having a day job and then doing this stuff at night is, like, the limited amount of time you actually have to shoot. And so, like, that's where it, like, it gets a little convoluted for me because it's like I can shoot like right after work but like a lot of people want to shoot during the day and like all this stuff and I get emails from people like throughout the day that are like hey can you work this gig for me and like I'll have to take work off to work the gig um, and it's like you either take a personal day or you call in sick or whatever um, but that's like sort of what it what it looks like like a really high level version of that is just like you know wake up work lunch work travel work work like and then you know you're going to bed around like 11 11 30 12 o'clock every night for the most part and like that's like 
you know, trying to like wind down from everything and you're just waking up and doing it again. How's your sleep and stress? Sleeping well, stress level? It depends. I mean, there's there's definitely nights where I, I sleep like a rock, but like the past like three weeks, I don't know what it is, but like I'm having the weirdest fucking dreams in the face of the planet. Like just like weird stuff, but I think the stuff I get stressed out about isn't so much work, like day job stuff anymore. Like when I was in college, like definitely day job stuff, like I got stressed out about and right. would have like work nightmares about. But like now, like I fret over not having enough time to like do stuff during the day that I want to get done. Where it's like, I know I have to edit something, but I can't like edit it on my lunch hour because I don't have my stuff with me. And if I, it's just like a whole like, how much of my like equipment do I want to drag across the city every day? Right. And like, how much wear and tear do I want to put on it? And like, yeah, I think I know I can do that. And it's just, it's it's devising a schedule. Like my time management is is okay, but it needs to like be better. And I think that's like my Achilles heel right now. Is your personal life suffer? Friends, family, girlfriends? Um, I think it all depends. Um, I think sometimes with like relationships and things like that like you get into it and it's like how much time do you devote to like your significant others how much time do you devote to your family and like me being an only child i'm pretty sure my mom texts me like every two hours like and then she'll just be like hey and i'll be like hi what's up and she'll like go on like a tangent and i'll just be like i'm, I'm doing stuff and so like yeah it puts it puts some stress on on those things where it's like you know sometimes like you get into a new relationship and like you're you kind of forget about like what you're doing sometimes because like you get so like I'm a person who gets very excited about things like I get like that tunnel vision and so it's like you get in and you have to you have to kind of keep everything in cahoots which is why I've started to like schedule more things out where it's like I have time for this I have time for that but like I also don't want people in my life to feel like they're a two-hour block do you have a girlfriend uh I'm seeing someone still gonna slow you down what? I'm only gonna slow you down. I mean, friend. that's what everybody says. <laughs> but, I, mean, I mean, it's 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 one of those things where it's like I see I see like a lot of the people who are successful at at everything, and like some of them have wives, some of them don't, some of them are young and don't have significant others, and like I think I've experienced that slowdown in seeing somebody, but yeah. at the same time, like that person has like gotten on my case and being like, why haven't I seen any new videos from you? And you're like, fuck, they're calling me out my shit, like. You're kind of like, all right, so at least they they get, like, having a personal life outside of them is something that's, like, normal. Because, like, I think, like, when you start dating somebody, like, they date you for reasons that, like, you don't, you're not, like, too aware of at the time. You're like, okay. It's like you look at, like, dating now and it's people swiping left and right on each other based on looks. Right. But then, like, you get to know somebody and it's like, why do they like you? And then, like, if they're encouraging you, like, I think, I think art people need to date art people because, like, they're the ones who get it. Yeah. Like, they're the ones who understand like what you do and like why you do it. I feel like math people can't date art people because they would be like, they're those people that are like, you are a two, I am a two hour block in your life. And you're just like, no, you're not like, fuck. And so it's, it's all about balance. Like that's, that's the big thing is finding balance. Um, and I think that's a big thing that gets lost in today's industry where it's just like, like I was saying before, People are always talking about hustle, 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 and they never talk about the downtime. They never talk about what to do when you're not working and being able to find that balance of being able to, to sort of recoup. You know, I, you know, I do work on the weekends sometimes with, with the freelance stuff, but 
weekends are my time to recoup, to refuel the creative cells and shoot and get excited about stuff and work on mini projects that I know I can get out the door just to get something out the door versus like a bigger project that I've been working on. It's, it's one of those times where I think you need to take your alone time and cherish it and let that sort of fuel whatever you want to do. What's your end goal? I think the end goal, like really long term, is to take what I'm doing now as a, as a one-man production house and turn that into a, a small production company where it's I employ you know, myself and other people that help run the day-to-day and things like that, but just to be very small, kind of boutique, um, and known for doing good work. I think that's, that's what it, it comes down to is, is wanting to work with a group of people who are like-minded, who can kick ass, who don't take bullshit from people, um, and you know, creating stuff that we like, that we enjoy in, in working together. And I think in turn with that, I also want to bring in you know, college interns at that point to really help them learn and like understand what they want to do versus just like being like, here, go through these papers, here, do this. Because I had college internships, and I had great ones, and I had shitty ones, and I know what it's like to be in a shitty one, and I know what it's like to be in a great one, and I want college kids to, you know, see this place as a place that they can learn because, you know, going back to going to a state school, like, I was afforded opportunities at a state school level that I never thought were possible, and I think, you know, I don't want people to feel like they're limited to, to the name of a school, like with Emerson, people are like the Emerson Mafia, like, yeah, that's all about who you know, but at the same time, like, you know, if you create a good reputable name for yourself at a young age, I think that that helps tenfold, and like even taking interns that aren't college students, like just helping young people understanding the intricacies and being like, if this is something you wanna do, like this is what it takes. And so I think, you know, it's always, for me, it's always going to, going to be about creating production, creating good stuff, and educating young people. I, and not just young people, but people in general. Like, if you want to learn something, like, I'm more than happy to help you learn. Like, I think that's, it's all that twofold, threefold, whatever, how many folds there are. This is pretty admirable. Well, in turn, we'd like to help you get the word out. Yeah. Where can people find you? What can they put you for? Websites, yeah. Twitters, Facebooks? Late so, on us. So you can find me basically anywhere on the internet at Miles Bergs. So it's at M-I-L-E-S-B-E-R-G-S. That's on Twitter, on Snapchat, on Instagram, milesbergs.com. Um, so you can find me pretty much at all of those. I don't think anybody else is out there. If you Google Miles Bergstrom right now, the only other thing that comes up is a defunct lawyer in wisconsin so i apologize to him but you know he's got that's that's the only other miles bergstrom that i know so are you first on the google search you pop up i don't the defunct one pops the lawyer up. pops up the Ugh. lawyer pops up Ugh. i don't know why i've been trying to figure that out for the last couple of years but everything else is me. right underneath like yeah. literally right you can even click pictures and i'm the first images that pop up but for some reason his website even though they're defunct pops up first and that's like i'm always just like Really? They've got like a one-star review. Like, come on. Like, they must have not have been good lawyers. They got, they got great web developers. <laughs> yeah. They, got, they paid all their money to the web developers and did not spend enough time on cases, apparently. All right, cool. Well, Miles, wish you best of luck. Shauna, you got anything coming up soon? Any, any I'll be headlining um, at uh, 
time in the future that is probably going to be before this thing comes out. So, no, I don't have anything. (laughs) 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 I got something July 29th, but this is probably... Yeah, this is definitely... (laughs) Yeah, this will pass. But it went really well. For those who (laughs) (laughs) were interested. (laughs) Well, again, uh, thank you all for joining us. If you would like to reach out to the Moonlighters Club, you can email us at moonlightersclub at gmail.com. Uh, thoughts, any feedback, any ideas, or people who are interested in being on the show, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, we are also on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Moonlighters Club, and our website, moonlightersclub.com. Right now, it's just uh, an email. You can drop your email lines to us. We're always looking for people who are interested in being on the show. And for people who want to do free web design and web development work, uh, or really cheap web design and web development work, feel free to hit us up as well. Uh, again, thank you, Sean. Thank you, Miles. For coming here this is really interesting and it was a pleasure yeah and thank you all for listening and we will see you next time on the moonlighters club goodbye